Hi, I'm Madonna. I'm your worst nightmare. To rule the world. Why don't you show them what you do, honey? You've never had more fun with anyone else. People, people, we gotta move on to the next song. That's Somewhere sweet in and I'm a bitch, you know what I mean? And that's always been the way it is. I'm, I'm a human being. <laughs> I'm waiting. You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, your place for all things Madonna Louise, Veronica Ciccone. Hey, everybody. I'm Stefan. Welcome to today's show. Hey, guys. It's Tony. Summer's over. Today on the show, we are joined by... stop it. (laughs) Such a buzzkill. Today on the show, we're joined by Miguel Gutierrez. Miguel, welcome to the show. Hello, Miguel. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hello, Madonna lovers. How was your summer? (laughs) My summer? I mean, I think my summer was pretty freaking weird, like everyone else's summer. But yeah, I drove across country twice. And I decided to go back to college. <laughs> so it's been very weird. What it's were you, the sign of the times. It's what the were sign you of driving the across country for? Uh, I had gotten kind of caught in Florida for early COVID uh, at my mom's. And I ended up being there. I meant to go down for like a week and I ended up there for three months. And my boyfriend, very similarly, had gone to visit his mom in LA for a week. And then he got caught there for three months. And so I drove across country to him to, to get to him. And then to we pick drove his ass up to pick his ass <laughs> up. And then we drove back across country together and that ends up being kind of its own horror show. Um, oh, I was going to say, it sounds, it sounds very romantic. Yeah. Did you guys listen to Madonna on the way there? Yeah. A little we, bit of a road trip. It was very turn up the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah where's the party uh, uh we we it was it it could have been romantic if this country weren't so terrible mm-hmm. like you know like the it's beautiful like we saw a beautiful incredibly like insanely beautiful landscapes and we we're like oh my god this is so beautiful it's all stolen land and everyone's an <laughs> asshole yeah <laughs> it was kind of the way it felt to be honest with you you're getting, you're so, refilling gas at, at a local gas shop <laughs> and being attacked by a Karen, you know? Oh my God. It's so many Karens, so many like maskless weirdos. And uh. it just, it was tough, but you know what? We did it and it was good. And it made coming back to New York feel like a real homecoming. Mm. Good. And I'm glad that, you know, in a way that you got to do that. So you can tell everyone, you know, you can, you know, tell the children the news Absolutely. Of, of the world yes. right now. You know? Yeah. I definitely feel like I was a, I was a citizen journalist. Yeah. The, <laughs> the anarchy is not happening in New York city. It is happening. Oh, in no. others. Yeah. It's happening in thank other you. states. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. I, when I, when I was on my way to the gym and people are like jogging and, and getting lunch and walking poodles. And I'm like, there's no fucking anarchy here in New York city. I don't no, know what the hell they're talking about. No, it's mm. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Take a take a step outside of the city. Yes. So before we get to uh, talking about uh, doing a deep dive on Miguel, let's just do one little This Week in Chaconi item where um, Madonna has apparently uh, going to release a Madame X perfume. Did you hear about this one? <laughs> I thought I smelled something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm curious. I haven't smelled her other scents, but, of course, anytime Madonna is sort of grouped with a perfume i always think mm-hmm. of patchouli and i just want it to be patchouli oh well, really wow because of the like a prayer album because you know the like a prayer album was scented so 
with patchouli oil. So every time I think of how Madonna smells, I just think of patchouli oil. Yeah, so yeah, there's a Madame X perfume. No one was expecting it or even asking for it, but it's, <laughs> it's a thing. You know, Madonna was on Instagram and she showed or she gave uh, Diablo Cody her own bottle bottle of Madame X perfume. And it's, it's a great looking package and apparently it smells amazing, but uh, where is it? Where, you know, where is it going to be sold? How much is it going to cost? Uh, what's it smell like? I have a lot of questions. I'm thinking gift with purchase of the Madame X DVD. You know, maybe if you go to like Costco and there'll be like a Madame X DVD bundle with the perfume bottle. Is that too low rent for Madonna? Uh, Well, Barney's is gone. We can't go to Barney's now. I was literally thinking first about Barney's and I was thinking, Mm. oh, wow, that's not an option now. Yeah, where would she go now? Half the stores are like, uh, they're out of business. Right. And and in-store appearances are also not an option. Damn it. Not that she's really into doing that kind of thing. But. I loved Sephora. my Barney's. I loved them. Oh, Sephora. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you know, in 2020, everyone is selling scents online, which is to me still insanity because uh, I, what does it smell like? You know? It's perfume madness. Yeah. And when people tell me it's got a note of this or a note of that, I was like, but I still don't know what it smells like. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's madness stuff and it's perfume madness. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see the the details about when we're getting that, how we're getting it. Maybe ha- hopefully it'll be easier to get than <laughs> Madame X tour tickets. That's <gasps> that's for damn sure. So before before we get down to some questions, I would love to give Miguel a proper introduction so our audience can get to know him a little bit better. <laughs> Miguel Gutierrez is a choreographer, composer, performer, singer, writer, educator, and advocate who has lived in New York for over 20 years. In recent years, he's been occupied with thinking about how he negotiates his queer Latinx identity within the traditions of the white avant-garde, no doubt informed by his recent cross-country trip around America. (laughs) His book, When You Rise Up, is available from 53rd State Press, and he's currently developing a new television program with his sister Margarita Gutierrez called uh, Boca yeah. about his father's brain trauma and its effects on his immigrant family, which is a very timely subject. He's taught regularly at a variety of festivals and intensives, and he's been a visiting guest professor at several universities, including Yale, Brown, Carnegie Mellon, UCLA, Princeton, CalArts, NYU, Hunter College, and many more. He's also a Feldenkrais method practitioner, which means that he can break your back. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, he, fix it and then fix it. And fix, and fix it. it. Yeah. Yes. He also currently performs a music project called Sadana, sad versions of upbeat Madonna songs. Um, Sadana is exactly what it sounds like. It's sad versions of Madonna songs. In this music project, um, Miguel shows us just how tiny the spiritual distance is between the international pop superstar who grew up in Bay City, Michigan, and Miguel himself, an international experimental itinerant artist who grew up in Colonia, New Jersey. Backed by the Slatinos, I hope I said that correctly, the sad Latino boys, backup singers, Sedona ekes out the melancholy cry for help hidden within Madonna's uplifting lyrics. Wow. And just so everyone knows, that's an abbreviated version of Miguel's (laughs) bio. I, I spent probably an hour ch- chiseling it down to that. Girl, you yeah. could have asked me for the short one. That was hell for me to I thought you, to. I thought you said that was the short version. Girl, no. Listen, it's fine. She's got credits. We love it, okay? Yeah, exactly. You got it flaunted, you know? Yeah. All right, well, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So 
tell us about your Madonna journey, like how young, when, and mm. you know, what, what was, what was the thing that Madonna marked you when with? When did she pop? Yeah. When she popped, I have a really distinct memory of being on my short bus in middle school. So that was probably like early eighties. And I don't know if it was like, I mean, it must've been like on the Walkman. I don't know how I heard it, but I was listening to her and then we were talking about her on the bus. And this is like always kind of embarrassing to say, but I think the speculation was that she was black, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and then I saw her on um, Dick Clark on American Bandstand. And I was like, Oh, She's a white woman. <laughs> it was just revelation. I say embarrassing, like I, I'm embarrassed, like to the black community for thinking that. But uh, uh, and so yeah, I mean that that was it. Pretty, it hit me pretty hard right off the bat. I guess yeah, that mm-hmm. first record, yeah. And was there like love at first sight when you you know like it was that sort of drew you in? and You were just a longtime fan ever since. Uh. I mean, I, well, my fandom, we can talk about that in a minute, but I would definitely say that those first couple hit songs like Holiday, Lucky Star, Borderline, Burning Up. I mean, I think that first record is, is a, is a real like pop classic. It's just mm-hmm. incredibly good. And, you know, just the simplicity of the cover, it's such a beautiful cover. And I, 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 I just, I think I absolutely sort of was on board with that first record and like almost pretty much every single song on it I love and so yeah but yeah my fandom has definitely <laughs> wavered over the years yeah it's changed and evolved much like <laughs> yes that's a beautiful uh, way of putting it Thank you. <laughs> so you know let's say after all those years of fandom was there one moment when you decided that Sadana had to exist you know like what was your state of mind how did it all come together because she'd been gestating in your mind I would Oh, yeah. She'd been in my mind for a long time. I did a show in 2009, like a dance show called Last Meadow, where we sang Physical Attraction in the show. Um, it was kind of a random moment in the middle of the piece. And and so I had kind of had that. And it was, a, it was a very, you know, slow down version of it. And then I have, you know, been performing as a singer in, in my own work and then in other people's stuff. And I was going to this voice teacher. I still go to this voice teacher, Barbara Mayer, who's a freaking genius in New York. And she was always kind of bugging me, like, you need to be doing a cabaret type show or you need to put a show together. And I was always like, yeah, but like, what would I do? Would it be my music? Would it be a covers? I didn't know. And then I was riding my bike home one night in Brooklyn and I just started singing this weird version of Material Girl in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's, it literally just hit me. I was like, oh, Sadana, sad Madonna. Like it was just, was just like, and then I right away called uh, Santiago uh, Venegas, who's one of the Latinos, and um, my friend Alvaro Gonzalez and my friend John Gutierrez. And I was just like, I want to do this thing called Sadana and I want you guys to be the backup singers. And you know, like I had this idea of like, if I don't, say this right away to someone else, I probably will never do this. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then I reached out to Shanta at Joe's pub and asked for a show and, and very mercifully, she <laughs> offered us like two nights. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was cool. That's how it all happened. That was like in 2017. 
Yeah, I remember seeing the listings on for Joe's Pub for your show, but uh-huh. I didn't know enough about it to like tr- make the trek. So now uh-huh. I am like kicking myself because I've yeah. seen the videos. Yeah, as you Vide- should, Tony. The, I, no, I, like right now, there's like a bruise on my leg. I'm no. kicking on. I'm kicking you over the internet right now. <laughs> but you know, we're giving you this platform, so you know, it, it yes. all worked out. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Actually, it was just that was my plan the whole time. <laughs> So one thing I wanted to bring up, so, uh, you know, this is about you and the Latinos. So being, uh, you know, also Latin, how important is it to bring it back to, you know, the influences that Madonna has had with Latin music and and then bringing in your own Latin experience? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I think the show when we perform, so the show we've been calling it Sedona, the Brown ambition tour. Um, and, and that's very intentional, obviously. And, uh, I think I've always been sort of like fascinated and freaked out by her like fetishization of like Mm -hmm. black and Brown people. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, that was kind of there from the get go. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was like a kid in New Jersey, but I don't know why I had heard like the stories of like, her sort of trolling through the East Village in a limousine on Avenue D or something like I don't know how that news right. got to Jersey, but it it did. And uh, yeah. and and I think you know that just kind of like was like okay, what's that about? And whatever, I don't, don't want to like hate on someone else's desire. But then I I remember seeing I saw the show. I the only time I've actually seen her perform uh, music live was in two thousand one. It was like a few, it was like the week before nine eleven. I went to California. I forget what the name of that show. Oh, that you saw Drown World Tour. I guess it was Drown World. Yeah. yeah, and we were like way up high, and and that show was kind of like it's a small world. Like it felt like, and uh-huh. now we're in Japan, and yes. it's like spare branches and like black and white, and now we're in Latin America, like candles <laughs> and guitars. And I was like, this is kind of fucked up, you know? Like I was like, this feels a little uh, problematic to me, and and reductive and i was like you have this platform girl like you really don't need to like turn us into like i don't know whatever um so when at some point when we were doing uh coming up with songs for the set i i i started thinking about that and then that that's what led us to like make a spanish language version of la isla bonita Mm -hmm. and then that's also what led us to um do this kind of reclamation version of Vogue um, that names the actual Vogue houses in the song instead of a yeah. list of like white movie stars, which have nothing to do with Vogue. That are dead. Yeah. <laughs> and that have nothing to do with Voguing. Like it's just kind of like, wait, this is not the homage that this song should be. So, you know, it's a, it, there's, so there's a little bit of that kind of like, you know, pushing back a bit. Yeah. Now, I love it. Cause you push back and then you also kind of like, uh, put it in line too you know yeah i mean you know i i love the songs i mean i love the music like there's no i don't have a i don't have a a conflict about my feelings about loving the songs but i think that uh, any artist is not just the product of their songs it's also like the cultural place they occupy and what they've done with that and i think it's a again it's a weird thing because she's kind of put a lot of uh you know she's had like all her backup people are always people of color. Like all, you know, like it's just, it's, you know, she's obviously created a platform for a lot of other folks, but there's been, you know, there have been mistakes have been made. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I'm curious as, as a white person, um, do you feel that she is culturally appropriating or cause the way I've 
sort of looked at it, and this could just be white naivete, I've always felt like she's trying to give people um, opportunities that maybe other white artists are not giving people of color. You know what I mean? So, he, yes, she can. I think hire she's Luke. doing both. I think she's doing both. Like, I don't think it's like she's it's one or the other. And I don't think it's like she's doing, you know, cultural appropriation and like, God, you know, I hate her and I want to cancel her. I don't feel it's like, but I mean, I don't think you divorce, I don't think you can escape as a white pop artist, you know, you, engaging a certain tradition of music. You are in lineage and in, uh, in, in deference to, uh, a tradition of sound that has very specific cultural origins. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, you know, again, like I said, like she has the right to love what she loves and whatever. I think it's interesting if you know, you know, and I'm sure you guys do like before her first record came out, she was really like, she was really like, am I a punk band? Am I a reggae person? Am I, a, you know, like there was so many different kinds of styles being sort of sniffed out. Um, and then she gets, you know, with what's his name, Stephen, uh, what you know, the Stephen producer, Bray. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh no, it's this sound, and then you know it can be housed in this particular kind of scene, and um, and I don't think it was an accident actually that when I first heard her, I thought she was black. I think that was very, mm-hmm. you know, in I mean, I don't think she walked into the studio and says like, I'm going to sound black. I don't think she particularly does sound black, but certainly the music, you know, the origin yeah. of that kind of music has those roots. So, so I don't. Uh, I, I, I I don't see it as a nefarious move per se, but I, I think absolutely she has uh, taken on those kind of characteristics. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Drown World Tour being sort of like the, you know, all around the, the Benetton of tours. Oh my and God. Yeah. I, I do feel like maybe the, like, um, the what is it the paradise not for me or the whole like the the uh nothing really matters video where she's dressed mm-hmm. in the kimono and kimono. It's, it's it's a little too it's it does it's a bit borderline on almost offensive but I no mean, pun intended yeah seriously uh we we drop madonna puns left and right so feel free to drop as many as you'd like and Stefan, meanwhile i'm stuck in sticky and sweet with leila palatute and i'm like who brought the gypsies on stage yeah <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I remember when I saw, you know, when she performed Nothing Really Matters at the Grammys, Mm -hmm. I didn't think it looked offensive. But then again, I'm not Asian, so it wasn't directly offending me. Like, for me, I thought, oh, this is fascinating. She's introducing us or opening our minds to a different world. And I I like to think that that's the intention. But I, as... Mm -hmm people have well, pointed out if you're not if you're not the heritage or the culture of the you know and the people that she's appropriating you won't be offended yeah i mean we we actually know that for that set piece the uh, nothing really matters uh she's very specifically mentioned i think in harper's bazaar where she had that whole japanese uh editorial that she read memoirs of a geisha and just stole the whole thing and right <laughs> And you know, you know I mean, that was enough. That was all she needed. Was that and, you know, and, and you know, she said that she, you know, she, she figured like, it out. Japan, she, she got said, Japan down in that one book. No, she said that the evil villain in the book Hatsumomo is her spirit animal, and she's like, she's 
taking that and running with it. And yeah, and, and like, and you know, and then meanwhile, she's like, you know, I'm Kabbalah. No, wait, I'm Om Shanti. No, wait, I'm Laisa Bonita. I mean, I think, I think the issue with cultural appropriation is, is really about the sort of uh, itinerancy of whiteness. The idea yeah. that whiteness can go anywhere on vacation as it wishes uh, without having to consider any ramifications of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the spoils that it leaves behind. And I think like. I, you know, again, I, this is the way of art. This is the way of music. This is the way, you know, like, I, 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 it's so complicated that, you know, you get to cite, like, what's the beginning of something, what's the end of something. But I, I do think it's like, it's a, it's, it's not like an accident that those things are then tied to commerce and presentation. And as you say, like, nothing really matters, like a visual lexicon that, uh, both sort of, yes, maybe introduces something, but also reduces it at the same time. And so, so, so uh, clarifies it. And, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because she's at the front of the line, you know? So I think that's the that's the problem when that happens in culture is just like, who is this actually celebrating? Like, it's really just celebrating you, you yeah. know, <laughs> the person who's doing it. We're not actually like sitting here, like learning about Japanese culture or learning about, you know, Sanskrit and it's, it's you know, deep origins. And like, you know what I'm saying? It's so, it's so, yeah. so it's all that. It's all that stuff. Like I, whatever. Like I'm not looking to Madonna to unpack that shit for me. Like I can re- go read a critical theory book if I want that. You know, like. But I think that because she has access to the masses, it it, it begs the question of like, what is the responsibility of that kind of role? Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting heavy today on the MLVC podcast. I'm sorry. I we went are, I'm in, I'm in college. I told you I'm back in college and I'm just reading all this crap. Oh my God. Okay. So um, <laughs> let's all, not that we, I mean, look, we don't shy away from a heavy conversation. I mean, yeah, this is great. She, she brings it on in her career anyway. You know, like she, she loves it. Um, how do you approach which songs of hers to cover? I'm curious. It's pretty instinctive. Like it's just like the ones that feel. I, I mean, definitely the the catalog leans early um, because I think like kind of post- what no candy shop. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I hard oh to believe. I, we do. We have a moment from uh, like one of one hard candy. I think like in in the version we do of holiday, but um, yeah, kind of like post music. I just really lose interest. Like the catalog gets real rough for me. After no confessions music, on a dance you know? floor. Oh, okay, 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 no, confession. Okay, sorry, I always forget about confessions. No, I live for confessions on the dance floor, and we do do a uh, couple songs from that. Um, we do, See, like, I would really think weird, MDNA yeah, yeah, yeah. would be would be rife for poking fun at, like "Girl <sighs> Gone Wild." I mean, a, a yeah, sad version of "Girl yeah. Gone Wild." Come on, yeah, it would no, be the Tangeray. Yeah. I'm about to go astray. <laughs> Girl, she's no, singing right. it. She's singing it. I she know. Knows. I know. That is a beautiful couplet that does merit melancholic uh, interpretation. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I, I, I cried when I that. first heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that says more about you than it does about her. But I think that, like, Tony I cries think, all the time. Tony cries at everything. Don't you think, in a certain kind of way, some things are about like what they, how they? I mean, I feel like they hate you when you're younger. Like, I feel like this is something about the Sedona project is also kind of about like reclaiming a certain relationship to queerness from mm-hmm. childhood, you know, when like you couldn't be outwardly queer or you couldn't be like, I couldn't like literally just prance around dancing to her music safely. So I feel like there's something about being a middle-aged <laughs> man uh, reclaiming my teenage music. Miguel, <laughs> we can all remember a time in our lives when we had to explain to somebody how we thought Madonna was the hottest woman and how <laughs> no one is no one is sexy as Madonna. 
and look at Madonna in her bra, you know. <laughs> she was like the 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 war beard. She was yeah. like the beard for all of us. Oh, did, yeah. did people really believe that we were straight if we said we loved Madonna? <laughs> it's like believing that George Michael was was straight the entire well, time. Like, I don't think yeah. a lot of American, you know, white people believed me, but everyone in my Latin family, they thought, you know, you had the, you had the hot actually for Madonna? They, they still think uh they still think Madonna, you know, has nothing to do with gay people. I remember um my cousin and my brother and I drove from Houston to Panama and I had the I'm breathless cassette and my straight cousin was like put that sexy Madonna cassette on again and I'm like wow what? and I'm like it's like now, the gayest Madonna album I ever. know it's and now, so campy it's and like, now so I'm it's like Broadway Madonna and I'm thinking yeah. like there is not one sexy song on this album yeah, for yeah, you yeah, 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 for yeah, you yeah, yeah. you know yeah no I mean, I, yeah, I mean when I came out to my sister and she was like oh finally and I was like oh, you knew and she was like Miga <laughs> you have Four posters of Marilyn Monroe, two posters of Madonna, Revlon ads, James Dean, and like, <laughs> I don't know, like, a, you know, a, especially large Chrissy Turlington image. You know, it's like, she's like, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, so, okay, so, Miguel. So how, right, does the, how does the process work for you to like, when you land on a song, you're like, okay, I'm, we're going to sing Erotica. And how do you like go about, you don't just slow it down and sing it slowly. You're, you're, no, you you no, have to yeah. arrange it in a different way to make it because you, and you, you, God bless you. You're so talented and so amazing with the way that you arrange all of those songs. Um, oh, I know yes. that I know I worked mm-hmm. at a school of music for a year and I know how the musicians had to like recompose certain things for different instruments and how challenging it can be to like, you know, take a song that's so definitive and so like yeah. she stamps her songs so yeah. well. And that's why I think sometimes when you hear covers of, of Madonna song, they just don't work as well because she owns it sure. so much. Mm-hmm. But I agree. hearing your versions of it, like um, we're, we're going to play a, 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 a part of your dress you up cover that you did and for all of our listeners out there who, when you hear this, you will might hear some laughter uh, occurring during it. That's because the Latinas are uh, putting blonde wigs on while Miguel is performing. And it, if you haven't seen the video, we'll link out to it at some point. And it's brilliant and wonderful and funny. Oh. 
dress you up the arrangement is so amazing it's like how do you how do you do it um what's your secret what's my secret god uh uh what's my secret well i get in a limousine and i just start driving around the east village no i (laughs) i i you know i i learned uh ableton this this you know music program uh I, in 2016, I was in a project where I had to like really, really learn it. And, and so when I learned that, I, I, I just started to see like, okay, this is where all the, these are all the cool things I can do with this music 
software. And, uh, you know, I had always kind of had, I've been, I had been in a band in, in, in the nineties and I had sung for a long time, but I never felt like I was like a real deal musician. And then I was like, Oh, with this program, I can really kind of take my time, take the time that it takes to sort of find the sounds that compel me. And it's just a very, uh, different kind of a process. And, and as with most software, the, the sort of mistakes can also kind of got, can get incorporated in, in a way that's interesting. And so I just kind of started working with that. And I think that once I, once we did the material girl cover, um, and, and then I went back and I was like, okay, I have this physical traction version. And then I had started, I do play piano, not very well, but I like play it. And, uh, and I had started doing like a version of amazing. And then I started to see like, okay, you know, the, the, the vibe of what Sedona was started to kind of like, you know, speak to me. And then I put the pressure on of having a deadline of a show. I just like went in. And, and so, you know, you, you just start, I mean, I, I think I always just start with like a riff, you know, kind of like most pop people and, and, mm-hmm. and, but maybe the riff is very directly related to the way the song already exists or in some versions of the songs, it's, it's actually, actually kind of going a little bit away from how the song originally exists. And so I just kind of follow that and go from there. And, and I mean, in a way the arrangements are, they're not super complicated, but, yeah. but I think it's just about the selection of what they are and, and featuring the voices really makes it something. Mm-hmm. Okay, Miguel, tell us about the splitting nose. Um, I'm dying to know. And also tell us how you incorporate the choreography. And I'm I'm sure you, you know, it's a collaborative effort, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not a lot of choreography. I'm thinking it's like, you know, ballet trocadero or something. No, it's not, girl. It's like, it's like, get on the, get on the stools, get off the stools, dance around. Um, You know, it's very like, uh, you know, interpretive dance. Uh, um, Hey, that's that's choreography at an Adele concert, you know? I mean, I mean, I'm sure somebody has to, you know, tell her, okay, get off the stool now. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not trying to minimize my my own uh, uh, talents for sure. I'm just trying to say, like, compared to making a, a real dance piece, Sedona is like the relief from that. Uh, <laughs> so the Slotinos, it just it just was like it felt very clear to me that again, maybe in the vein of like the reclamation aspect, that it needed to be like uh, an all Latinx <laughs> backup mm-hmm. uh, group, and that was just also just fun for me, and it just was fun because they're all bilingual as I am. And so we could kind of play with that aspect because there is some Spanish, you know, in the set. Um, and, and then I think it was just through doing the show that like the Latinos really started to become their own kind of little like fascination in the show. And, and I think also because, uh, you know, two of the three Latinos are, uh, almost a swell. Uh, <laughs> like I think there's also, <laughs> they also have their own sort of, kind of relationship to well i don't know what kind of relationship they feel like they have to madonna but i think they definitely have Do a they know who she is they must not be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, some, some yeah, of the young gays like, some of the young american gays singer american yeah. singer because yeah. <laughs> some of the young gays they don't know who she is you know like uh, <laughs> like if they're in their early 20s people are like who's madonna no it's true one of the singers didn't really know her very well at all 
Yeah. So or that like was they, a, that they was know a, her, but they know her in a weird way. Right. So like they, it's like they have a strange reference of how they came to know who she was. You know. So yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. she was that weird woman at the MTV Awards back in 2018, right? And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but she's known for more than that. <laughs> well, Miguel, yeah. that that being said, I'm. Latin and bilingual. So whenever you decide to hold auditions for a new Latino, just oh, let me know, Tony. I would oh love my god, I love see. it. Can you sing, Tony? Is, is uh, that no. what's actually happening here? This is just like a long ass. When did a thirty minute audition? Yeah, Please. surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh my god. Well, you know, it is a casting couch process. So uh, right. we, we, can, we can we can we can well, then Tony's even more interested. <laughs> I mean. I mean, truth in advertising, it does say slut in the... the There there are some prerequisites. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move over to uh, Madonna's live performances. Uh, You know, as a live performer, you mentioned that you did see her in Drowned World. uh, But in all of the live performances that you've seen, uh, whether live or, you know, on television or whatever, what are the ones that you've kind of like taken some inspiration from or something that you've seen and said, no, I'm doing the complete opposite of that. Huh? That's such a good question. I, I don't know that I'm like taking inspiration necessarily from the live performances. I do think she's a beast, you know, like she really goes for it and she hasn't made it easy for herself (laughs) in terms of live performance. Like I think she really delivers. And I think that's, yeah. So maybe that's inspiring to me. I think it's also kind of a, how do I say this? Um, She's kind of set up a problem for herself because she's sort of a thinks that she always has to deliver that level of like action. And like, you know, let's be honest, it's like, she's not getting any younger. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, girl, like, it's like, you know, you can just do your like Madonna from the Carlisle, you know, like show, like you don't have to. That's what was happening with the Madame X tour. I know. That's what she thought was small scale. Yeah. With her, with her injury. Well, because she, you know, she had her hip and her knee injury and yeah there were so many fans that were being canceled on and everyone was saying, yeah. Madonna, just sit on a chair and like, sing oh, and people damn. will be happy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah, you don't have yeah. to dance. And I think, I think the reckoning will happen over the next decade or two while she, if she wants to continue touring, you know, her body just won't be able to keep up with her. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's still for me, like a product of the fact that she, she came up in, the moment of music that like the visual culture of it and the like the stage version of it had like was almost more important than like your ability to sing (laughs) you know and and i you know she'll you know she says it herself she's not the best singer she's not the best dancer but she she wants to push things and and i think she you know I think, you know, because she originally wanted to be a dancer professionally and then she realized that that wasn't her ticket to stardom, uh, there was a real investment in the physical uh, aspects of the show, which she was able to maintain pretty strongly for like a really long time. I mean, I am like, I, you know, I'll watch videos of her from just even like 10 years ago and I'm like, that's freaking amazing. Like Mm -hmm. she's really busting ass on stage and as a performer i know how hard that is to do like night after night after night. like that's not that is no joke yeah yeah no i I know what you mean though i mean she kind of does set herself up you know she can't do deep knee squats anymore even though the fan it's a fan favorite 
you know? Yeah. No, I'm like, please do not squat. Like, I even when I saw the freaking video for that Maluma song, I was like, girl, take that eye patch off. Like, you need <laughs> both eyes. Like, you don't even know where, like, it's, she looks really uncomfortable and awkward. And she's like, where's the person on my right or whatever, you know? And I'm like, girl, if you took that eye patch off, you could see, like, it's not cute, you know? So I, I, I definitely think she needs to rethink it. But rethink see, it. I think that's a perfect that's a perfect era for you to put on stage next time you do Sedona is the Madame <laughs> X era. I mean, it's an easy prop. Can mm-hmm. you and all the Latinos wearing an eye patch? It'll be super. We cute. did. We did do a, a bit in our in our last year in September. I think we did a little Madame X bit where we wore eye patches. So you know, did you, did, did you sing? No a idea song? under the sun that we haven't already thought of. Um, <laughs> no. No, because I I kind of there's some good record. songs on that record. Listen can... to how you just said that. You just said that. <laughs> you just said that like a person who's married to a wife beater who's oh, like he loves it. me sometimes. <laughs> oh, my God. He's really he's a good person on Mondays. Like no, it's not. It's a terrible record. M- Miguel, I. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, because you already mentioned that uh, your impression of Drowned World was that it was it's a small world. I wonder what your impression of the Madame X album is in the same vein. <laughs> I just can't listen to it. It just upsets me because I, I I really do love those the the records through the 80s and the 90s and then there mm-hmm. were early aughts. I, I think are really beautiful records. And there's something that's being said through the record and through the sound of the record. And now it just all has a kind of aura of like, I want to just stay somehow relevant, but it just sounds very wooden. I mean, there was always a risk of it sounding wooden with her yeah. as a singer, as an interpreter. She's not like, you know, she's not a chanteuse, like a jazz singer and she never would be. But, but now it just feels uh, just so caught up in that formulaic thing. I don't, I don't feel like she's in, in charge of the artistic vision in the way that I felt like she was like with ray of light or with confessions. Like, I just feel like those things have very complete sounds. Those mm-hmm. records have very beautiful, you know, of course, William Orbit, these very particular kinds of producers have a lot to do with that. But I really do believe she also had a lot to do with that because I know she's very collaborative with who she's working with. But I, I, I feel like it just, it, you know, she went back to this kind of like, I don't know, catch all like, oh, Fado singers, like Portuguese women. Sure. You know, like I'm in Portugal. Let me get Portuguese women. You know, it's just I'm like, oh, no, it just feels very disorganized to me. <laughs> no, that's. I want to talk about your she music. needs a she needs a dramaturg like she needs a dramaturg is what I feel like I, she she just might get one you know so I want to talk about your visuals because I I'm obsessed with that image I think it's striking of you superimposed your face superimposed yes. on the Like a Virgin album cover um, I want to see more of those uh, coming I... from you but seriously though what do you think is like the most enduring image from her iconography and you know I'm, I'm pretty sure it's from the first half of her career because that's yeah. when it really like hit you in the face you know yeah I think the the true blue look is pretty iconic mm-hmm. you know the the for me, and this is so dumb, but like even in Papa Don't Preach, like her having her hair down and then having it up in the dance sequences, even though her hair is really mm-hmm. short, like that just really did something to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, the sex book, my boyfriend gave me the sex book for Christmas, which was like such a sweet thing that he did Aww. that. And, uh, and, and I remember, you know, I hadn't seen that book in a really long time. And I was like, 
wow, she just looks amazing in this era, you know, just so hot. And, and then like the, the image of her, you know, hailing a, a ride on the side of the highway naked. I think that one's such a great, you know, this kind of very like mm-hmm. full on, you know, d- Italian uh, diva mm-hmm. thing that she really took. I, I think those are some really standout, standout moments for me. And then, you know, of course, the, the, the Conan the cone bras you're like the whole like vogue mm-hmm. uh jean-paul goyer thing so the you know there, i mean there's a, yeah she was she 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 knew what she was doing you know visually absolutely and do you not think she's doing as amazing visuals <laughs> these days <laughs> Stefan, you're really trying to like put me on the line here you're like really you're you're really like, a, the, the, like the, a, i'm not fighting i'm not fighting i'm just trying to say like I, without being like, we're not trying to be ageist here. And that I, was like a leading question, though. Do you really think she's not? Yeah. Uh, well, because I'm like, I happen to do, like, I do yeah. feel is that some of the, like, maybe the music videos or the, uh, the maybe the campaigns, the photo shoots that she's done aren't maybe as iconic as in the past. But I think in the past, she was being told what to do and going ahead with it. And I think now she's being more in control of her own image and having more say with it. And so mm, you know, I think like, she was probably always in control. I think she's actually overly in control now. I think she's paranoid. She seems like a very paranoid, uh, often quite lonely person. Like when I followed her Instagram, I was kind of like, Oh man, girl, like what's going on? Like, who are your friends? You know, like, like it's just these like creepy videos of her and her kids and just like I I I just feel like she's she probably because of years and years and years of like crazy press, which I'm sure she both like courted and also hated, you know, it's a it's a weird love hate thing that happens, I guess, for celebrities. And I think she's she's just like so micromanagey. Um and I think that the world has turned kind of past a certain kind of way that she thinks about pop and pop stardom. Like the earth is turning faster than that. Now it's a different thing. There's a kind of relationship to immediacy. There's a kind of question of like authenticity. Um, And, and I, and I think that people have a really different idea about blackness and music and sort of uh, revering blackness and music in a very direct and very sort of politically um, uh, appropriate more or sort of more sensitive way. And I think that she's still very much a child of the eighties where it's like glam and glitz and, and, you know, substance or style or substance. Um, And, and I think that it's just, it, it hasn't quite, moved along you know and she seems like she's very much a person who's set herself apart like in a castle like she literally like lived in a castle mm-hmm. right <laughs> and, then, yeah. and I think you can see it like it, it feels evident to me in the sound and it feels evident to me in her public persona where it's like that kind of remove which is both a function of celebrity but also her particular take on it you know I mean I don't you know I don't know her like maybe in person she'd have a very different kind of read but certainly from the way she puts herself out there and like the speech she gave at that you know the women in music thing and like i'm just like she she seems like someone who's really like feels sees herself as beleaguered or or like the you know put upon person when i'm like girl you've been like the dominant star like you are not the victim Mm -hmm. of this of this 
world or of this industry or whatever, you know, you're still making money on this stuff, you know? So, but I think she feels very put upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's very evident mm. in the work now. And, and it does why it doesn't feel, uh, I mean, I do think there's a lot of, you know, like even like a, that song, like Joan of Arc, you know, like, like, I think there's like, like, God, like, girl, really? Like, you know, <laughs> comparing yourself to like a martyr? Like, I don't know that you're, you know, she says like, I'm not Joan of Arc, but it's like, yeah, girl, you're not Joan of Arc. You know, like, you're not, you know, but I think there's a, there is this, this identification with a certain kind of like, no one gets me, no one understands me. And I'm like, how could they? You're in a castle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree with that last part. You know, it's um, touch me, don't touch me. You know, look at me, don't yeah. look at me. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I feel like it comes across in the music. You know, and and, and that's why the it doesn't feel as connected to something for me now. Hmm. Um, that's an interesting. That's I, no, I like I like. Yeah. I always like to have a healthy debate on new new Madonna <laughs> versus old Madonna. And... No, I mean basically, it's hard to be in love with a masterpiece. It 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 is. <laughs> Okay, Miguel. Uh, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, okay. So, I, speaking of not old Madonna, classic vintage Madonna. Um, yes. Tell our listeners about the uh, Madonna SNL after party story that I've heard you. <gasps> oh yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know this. Oh this so, my goddess! Yeah. So just to set the scene, this is when Madonna performed uh, "Fever" and "Bad Girl" on. Yes. Uh, oh. Back. Back yes, for the yes. erotic album. Early 90s. Yeah. So it was like 1992, 93. I was going to school in New York. Uh, and somebody, I had like transferred from one college to another. And the person who had, this person from my previous college, when he graduated, his job was to organize the after parties for SNL. And so um, the show that Madonna was on, he was like, okay, you're going to, uh, oh, I want, you know, you guys can all come to the after party. And we were like, oh my God, it's amazing. Like, we're going to go to the after party and we're going to like meet Madonna and it's going to be like, we're going to become best friends with her and it's going to be amazing, you know? <laughs> so we go and I was at the Paramount Hotel in New York, which was whatever, like the hot, you know, there's always like a hot new something in New York, right? And, and then it was like on the balcony level or mezzanine level and it was just like this cramped ass lounge you know and i remember just being like oh this is like this hot new thing it's like shove a bunch of couches and like some cool light you know like i just felt so whatever to me in a certain kind of way and and i'm like we're in a hotel you know this is not you know and the, so there she was sitting at her table with like ingrid casares and and you know her posse and so we like like plant ourselves at the table next to her and just like just stare at her you know and then, it's like, and then we're like wait what like what what happens now like nothing can really happen now like she's like surrounded by her people like we're not gonna like walk up to her and be like so what are you up to um Hi, so Madonna. I, like, walk, yeah hey girl you know you were really uh, great you're really great i love bad girl you know yeah. i so, mean so, you could have you could have told her that you know i come from the future and this is probably going to be the last time you have a really really good <laughs> live vocal performance <laughs> 27 years from now i'll be trash talking to you on a podcast about you no, i'm like i'm like heed me woman no i don't, no, I don't see, that, being, that being said though that performance of bad girl is legendary it's so good it's legendary and i use it in in sedona we use it during while i'm telling a story about that particular incident and then also about a heartbreak i had i play the video of her singing that but like slowed down mm. and it plays over over the uh piano as i'm singing uh, amazing because I do remember feeling very struck by that performance. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, like nothing really happened. And then 
as we were leaving, Tatiana von Furstenberg, Dion von Furstenberg's daughter. Who was nude who in I, the sex book. Who was nude in the sex book and who I had gone to school with at the previous college that I'd gone to. She sees me and it was this really awkward thing because I used to run into her in the city and I had never was friends with her in school. I don't know why suddenly she thought we were friends, but she was like, oh my God, hi. You know, and I was like, hey, Tatiana, you know, and she's like, oh my God, we have to hang out. I was like, why? Like, why would we hang out? Like, literally, we have nothing in common. You're like crazy wealthy, and I'm just like eating, you know, corn chowder and trying to learn how to dance. And, and she was nude in the sex book. And she was nude in the sex book. And so, yeah, and she yeah. was like, call me. I'm at the Carlisle. And so, yeah, it was weird. Was she with Madonna? Uh, she was at Madonna's table. Yeah. Sure. Oh, so That's she's saying this thing. right while Madonna's next to her. Yeah, but Madonna wasn't looking at me. Madonna was not paying no attention to me. She's probably like, Tati, let's go. Tati, <laughs> I love that you called her Tati, that you knew that she was, her name was Tati. Yes, mm-hmm. which is also the, the name of the perfume, right? But uh, <laughs> I, what, does, I, what does that perfume smell like? It's DVF. I don't know. It smells like privilege. I mean, because it's just... <laughs> <laughs> it smells like a shuttered boutique in the uh, meatpacking district, circa 2020. <laughs> it's still open, Tony. DVF is still there. I walk by it all the time. It smells like inherited wealth. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like nepotism. Yeah. yeah. I will say one last thing about it. Just one last, mm-hmm, last thing. Yeah. I will say, and this is, again, not trying to be shady. Oh, here we go. I, no, no. Oh, my God. It's Devin. I know. I love her. You're, like, you're literally like her handler, her bodyguard. Um, I'm like scared. I'm glad we're not in the same room because I feel like you'd just be like hitting me back. Like, get away from her. Get away from her. Um, but I remember seeing her eyes and she had crow's feet. And I just remember being like, wow, she has crow's feet. Like, I remember just being like, wow. Mm-hmm. Madonna, that really Madonna's sp- real. Well, Miguel, She's real. I got news yeah. for you. Those crow's feet are gone. Girl, so- they're gone. Um, Today's podcast is brought to you by MDNA Skincare. Get rid of your crow's feet. She left them at the Paramount. Yeah. Now, Miguel, I want to talk about something very important. So, because we are in the middle of this, hasn't been this hasn't been important. (laughs) Sorry, I thought this was this is this is where it's going to get crucial. Okay. 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 Ready. So, yeah, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Unfortunately, we are not able to see you. um, Perform Sedona with this Latino. So, tell us what. A sh- you know, just kind of like ca- encapsulate what a show is like, and mm. when can we look forward to seeing Sedona once we are able yeah. to gather and enjoy live performance again? Personally, I would love to see your show at Joe's Pub, my favorite venue mm, in yeah. New York City. I love, yeah, I love doing it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it like? I mean, I think what it's like is sort of like this weird combination, like a lot of my work, it's this weird combination of like meta tongue in cheek with like an actual lot of sincerity, you know, uh, you know, I think something about the show is, you know, we, we all kind of are in a little bit on the joke and, 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 you know, there's a certain kind of, uh, poignancy or power that the show has because we're not like, uh, we're, we're, she's a, she's so out of reach, you know, and I think we kind of acknowledge that. Um, and 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 yet, there's also that weird thing that, like, I think as a queer person, you know, you turn certain people into your heroes uh, to survive, 
right? Yeah. You like you, yeah. you mean they 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 are your heroes and they get you through. And I absolutely feel that way about her and her music, particularly when I was younger. You know, there was a, a real sense of just absolute like unabashed. I love this, and you know, and I do celebrate the fact that she was you know out there fighting the good fight for people mm-hmm. with AIDS and and HIV and and you know. Uh, making life hard for the catholic church i mean i'm like damn that's Mm -hmm. great like to me that's all like super admirable so i think there all of that is kind of not all of that but i think a lot of that is sort of woven into the thing but i think there's also uh yeah there's a little bit of a wink wink you know like we know that this is a sort of a uh i wouldn't say it's not a joke i don't think of it as a joke i mean i genuinely love singing those songs and i think when you do slow down some of those songs they really genuinely do think that you hear something in those lyrics that is actually quite um uh spiritually conflicted (laughs) you know i think there is something to be said for some of those lyrics so uh yeah i think that's what's that and then we're trying to figure out if we can do this virtual version of it Mm -hmm. um like if the full version of the show but like in a virtual version we might be doing it with a well, the attempt is going to be doing to do it with Red Cat, which is a venue in Los Angeles. But oh, yeah. either either we will be there on stage with like no audience and just stream it, or I'll just be in my apartment and we'll just kind of figure out how to do it from here. So that's the next that'll be in December Great. of this year. And then I don't know. I mean, I actually I kind of want to make another set of songs because mm-hmm. the Brown Ambition Tour has been really fun. We've been doing it for a minute and I actually mm-hmm. want to do a version. I, there's two ideas I have. One of doing like the girlier show is one name. <laughs> I mean, nice. there's always the Brown World Tour as well, you know. Well, I actually thought I wanted to make a show called The World Drowned. Because uh, <laughs> I think it's like, it's over. Like, it happened. Yeah. You know? so, so I think it's like the apocalyptic Sedona. So, or post-apocalyptic Sedona. So uh, those are both things that are in my head. But, you know, it really has to do with, like, how much time I have when I'm not yeah. doing work now. So, yeah, you, mean this sounds- is, you, you don't only do this? <laughs> Shockingly, no. I know, <laughs> considering how incredibly articulate I've been about it. Yeah, I have yeah tell us, place. tell us quickly how the world of academia meets the world of cabaret slash uh, performance art. Oh man, oh man, uh, How does it meet? I I don't know that it totally does. I mean, I so I never finished college, so it's like that's so funny. That whole time of my life. I was in New York and then I left school to start dancing professionally and, and I never finished college. And then when COVID hit, I was kind of like, well, what the hell am I going to do? Like all my gigs are <laughs> gone. Uh, and then my sister was like, well, why don't you just try to finally finish your degree? And I was like, it's a great idea. So I'm back in school. And so I'm like reading all this crazy academic stuff, which is great. Actually. I really like doing that. And then What's really weird about it is like, you know, I I feel like in a way I finished my degree on the stage, you know, like I spent the last 27 years of my life having this kind of career and, and, you know, quote unquote, learning things in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's, it is definitely weird to go and like read books about performance and performativity and you're like, sure, whatever. But like, like when's rehearsal, you know, like, it's yeah. like, I, I, you know, part of me is like, part of me loves it. I love, I love, you know, being simulated in that way. And then there's another part of me. It's like, you know, making shows is just a whole other beast, you know, entirely. Yeah. It has nothing to do with like some stupid, theory that you write a paper about so uh i don't know i'm still trying to figure that out i i i I try not i want my work like to be stimulating absolutely and and 
I like it to be challenging for sure too. I don't think I think Sadana, like I said, is the reprieve from that. Yeah. Sadana is the, is the thing that I do that's just like purely about pleasure. Like you know, my dance shows are definitely more uh, challenging and sometimes just like more like off putting or weird for people to look at. But Sadana is meant to be the mm-hmm. you know. You laugh in the moment, you cry in the moment. <laughs> so kind of gay. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, yeah. we can't wait to see Sadana uh, in December. Thanks. So you'll have to let us know. Please, please, please let us know when all of that is going down and we will promote Absolutely. that. And let, let all of our listeners know. So, Stefan, I think it's time. I think it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. Yes, I think it might be that time. <laughs> all right. So as our listeners know, whenever we have a guest on the show, we like to do a little thing we call the lightning round, which is just <gasps> meant to oh be something quick and off the cuff. It is wherever you're at in your Madonna journey today. But as we've already heard, you're probably stuck in the 80s. So except, uh, we're expecting some <laughs> I, 80s If you answers. made it to now, if you made it to like minute 55, you definitely yeah, are You're still with us. Um, yeah. Okay. So, favorite fast, i.e. dance, Madonna song? Fast Madonna song. Favorite fast Madonna song. Celebrate. Celebration. Celebration, that one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I was like, what song? I know, I know. Sorry, I couldn't get there. You threw me. I was like, what 80s song is this? And it's... It's a 2000 song, so... Um, I know, I know. Favorite ballad Madonna song? Oof. Ballad, the ballads are kind of tough for me. I always kind of skip over them. Uh, but probably uh, Crazy For You. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Classic. Classic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very classic. Uh, favorite Madonna music video? Oof. Favorite Madonna music video? Uh probably express yourself because the guys are so hot oh, aren't they oh, i think that's what made me so gay i swear hot. to god yeah. they're uh, working you guys they're like hard at work <laughs> they're busy building yeah uh yes. favorite favorite okay so you've only been to one so i maybe hopefully you've seen the others favorite madonna tour um the clips of it that i've seen I think I probably would have really loved to have seen the girly show live mm-hmm. because it just looks like it's so queer. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of like when she's giving you kind of like nineties dyke, which is hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite Madonna look, and it can come from a video, a photo shoot, a tour, wherever favorite, it, whatever. It might look. be nineties dyke actually. Nineties <laughs> yeah. dyke is really, really good. I do. I do love, ray of light when she's all cabalad out and she's yeah. like look at my natural hair and i just had a kid and i'm like you know like whatever i i think it's a really beautiful moment and but then i also do love the um brown hair like a prayer moment it's oh, so yeah. pretty earthy yeah. earthy madonna mm-hmm. absolutely yeah nice very good well guys um we want to thank everyone for listening to our episode this week um also wanted to give a shout out to two other Madonna podcasts that if you haven't listened to, you should totally check out. There's Inside the Groove with Edward Russell and Edward is, you know, he's like a music producer and he breaks it down, you know, track by track and he does things that I don't even understand, but it's great. <laughs> and he has a great voice and he really takes you through it. So if you want to, you know, get into inside the groove you should do that and then there's the uh immaculate podcast and it's justin and steve and i don't think they're currently uh creating new episodes but you know they've got a whole back catalog and you know 
they're sweet guys and they got a lot to say. So check them out as well. And, you know, check us out as well, uh, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, we'll have a new episode coming up soon. And uh, don't forget to rate and review and like and subscribe as well. Yes. And also just wanted to take a moment to say, oftentimes, Tony and I will get called out for possibly misidentifying a Madonna detail or mixing up a date or sometimes <laughs> just flat out getting something wrong. And I don't know everything. Yeah. As I'm sure you all experience yourselves as a Madonna fan, sometimes what actually happened isn't always how we remember it. So you might have a certain memory about Madonna that you love, and please don't let anybody change your mind, but cherish that memory. Remember it however <laughs> you damn well please. And even if it's not 100% correct, you know, like Madonna said in one of Miguel's favorite songs, I Love New York, if you can't stand the heat, then get off the street. Uh, other cities make me so mad, but I do love New York. Um, well, everyone, that's our show for the week. Uh, feel free to drop us a line. We love hearing from all of you. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MLBC Podcast, on the web at MLBCPodcast.com, and we're streaming wherever you listen to podcasts, as I already mentioned. Oh, yeah, and on currently now on Amazon Music. Amazon br- Music, too, that's yeah. brand new. It literally just happened this past week, so it, just, look at us. Just like the Madame X perfume, it's, you know, it's coming right up. <laughs> so, now. yeah, please share with your friends and your fellow Madonna fans now we're gonna close you guys out with oh, yes. a very special version of lucky star performed by sadana yes so, so thanks thanks for coming on the program miguel thank you miguel this we was great having you. thank you thank you and please tell us before we go where we can find you online Oh, yeah. You can find my website at www.miguelgutierrez.org. And I'm on Instagram at a boy like that. All right. Awesome. All right. Here is Sadana with Lucky Star. Must be my lucky star Cause you shine on me wherever you are I just think of you and I start to glow Cause I need your light and baby you know Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. Starlight, make everything alright. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. Starlight. must be my lucky star Cause you make the darkness seem so far And when I'm lost you'll be my guide I just turn around 
I wish I knew. I wish I knew. 